Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Belong Church. I just want to say a special thank you to Pastor Matt Wagner, who was here last week and had a little uh, ips that just happened. I was playing with Vivian. Many of you know Vivian, and she was playing right beside me, and she called my name, Uncle Kevin, and I turned to look at her, and right as I did, she kept talking, and I could feel things coming out of her mouth that landed in my eye. An hour later, Lenore's like, what in the world happened to your eye? And I'm like, oh, no. So I was trying not to have this bright, glowing pink eye whenever I'm recording service. So I asked Pastor Matt, and he was so generous to step in and to, to jump in and to give a word. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. In fact, let me just say right here that we're in a great partnership, and, and uh, we work together even so much so that we have actually, um, I was thinking as I was watching it, let me just say this way, that we have overseers, and as being a small church, we haven't been able to fly them in like we traditionally would want to and be able to do. So I have contacted them this week, and next week you're going to hear from Pastor Tad, our pastor in Florida, and then the week following, in Jesus' name, we're going to hear from Pastor Joe Cadena, and so I'm just really excited for you guys to hear from the people that 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 is so into me and the people who are part of us and have been part of us since, you know, we planted this church. So, in fact, many of the, the messages that I talk about for Go and Send No More, I got through Pastor Joe Cadena and, and challenging me to go and read the Bible for myself and those things. So I'm very, very excited. I have no idea what they're going to preach about, and I would never tell them what to preach. So I'm going to be just as excited as you are to know, and it's going to be great. Next week, you'll have Pastor Tad. The week before last, when we did the, the last message that I delivered, we ended with Matthew 7, 21. It was in the message. And, and it, it wasn't ending with, but it was part of the message. And as I was doing it, the, the thing stirred up inside of me of what this means. And if you'll recall, if you didn't get that message, you can go back two weeks ago and look at that. But, but what really jumped out to me, and I talked about this personal journey that I went on, that someone challenged me with this verse. If we can, we'll look at Matthew 7, 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, is going to get into heaven. And I made the comment that that, that was my plan. I, I just had heard. I guess just say, I have to say, Lord. But he goes on to say, the clarifier, but he who does the will of my Father. And so as I was looking at that and preparing that message and, and walking through all the steps, I began to feel the urgency and the obvious need that if only the ones who are going to do the will of my Father are going to be the ones who make it into heaven, then shouldn't we know what the will of the Father is? So I did as I so often do, and I try not to bore you guys with all the Greek words, though I have a couple today. I looked at what this exact word in the Greek, it's what the, the language that the New Testament was written in. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New um, Testament was written in the language of Greek. So I looked up the word will in the Greek, and then I went and searched every other time that was in the New Testament. And I have a few of those for us to look at. You see, I knew church. I knew church really well. In fact, I had a conversation with someone this week about knowing church and just being completely just I mean, grounded in it and just know all that stuff. But Knowing church isn't going to be wonderful when Jesus says, you didn't know me. 
See, I can know him and then also secondarily know the church and know how to do. But trump everything is love. The trumping of everything is love. Love has to be the thing that covers over everything. And last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, we looked at that I can have all of these things, 1 Corinthians 13 says, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. So let's start looking at the first one. It's John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said, my food is to do what my father sent me to do. And those words right there is the same words, the will of the father. In the context of this, and we've looked at this a couple of times, but let me just kind of give you this. He's tired. He has just taken this long journey. And, and it says that he was so tired that he was hungry and he needed, if we were talking about me, I would say I was hangry. I was just at this place that I'm so hungry. I just frustrated that maybe my, my nerves are at their last end. And he's like, listen, I can't even go into town to get food. I need to sit on this rock. And as he sits there and all the disciples go into town to get food, this Samaritan woman comes. And you probably know the story. And if you don't, I'm, I'm just going to kind of give you the brief overview. But you can go read in, Mar in John chapter 4 and read this. But Jesus is sitting there and he, she comes up. But this wasn't the normal time that she should go. In fact, she's got a lot of stuff going on in her life, some issues. So she's going at a time when nobody would be there. Kind of like going shopping at the grocery store in the middle of the night. You're hoping you don't see anybody you know. And Jesus asks her of some water and it's a well and she they get in this dialogue and Jesus' spirit Jesus just comes alive and the disciples come back and they're like Jesus we thought you were famished we thought you're you just need to sit here on this rock and you couldn't even move another foot and you know what in the world you're like all up and you know this lady's had this conversation now the entire town is coming back and, and he's so excited and he's going to transition to minister to everybody in that whole town and that's where he says his words Hey, I didn't have food, the natural food that we would look at. I didn't have any food that you didn't know about. I wasn't hiding a sneakers bar in my pocket that I ate after you left. Okay? He says, but my food, what gets me energized is to do what my father sent me to do. That same word that we see God's will. The next verse is in John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus again is talking. He goes, I have not come down from heaven to do what I want. He's like, it's not about me. Now, that's amazing for a statement. That's him as the son of man. That's him in his non-deity, but he is deity. It's just this, 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 you know, tug and pull all the time that Jesus has. But he's not coming as God here to do God's will in himself. He's coming to show us an example for how we live. And he says, hey, I didn't come down from heaven just to do whatever I want to do. He's giving us an example that we're not to do just whatever we want to do. But look, he goes on, he says, but I've come to do, and I could insert that word because that's where it goes, the will of my Father. I've come to do what the one who sent me wants me to do. And that same word is right there. Verse 39, and the one who sent me doesn't want me to lose anyone he has given me. He wants me to raise him up with me on the last day. And can I just tell you right there that it wasn't just for Jesus. This is him being an example for us. 
that God wants those that he's entrusted us with, that we don't lose any one of them. But we work and we take care of our garden, as Lenore and I like to say. And we, we work to, to cultivate relationships and we work to, to talk to people and to, to make those steps that they understand that God loves them, that God has a great plan for their lives. In Galatians 1, chapter 4, Jesus, Jesus gave his life for our sins. That's the first and the most paramount of everything. But so many people stop right there. But look at this, it continues. He set us free from the evil of this world. The second part of our, of our tenets as a church is to, to know God, but then the second one is to find freedom. See, Jesus did that to save our sins, but he also came to set us free from the evil of this world. And look at this, and that, and it's the same word we're looking at, was what our Father, our God and Father wanted for us to be free of our sins and to be free of this evil world. So can I say it like this? That God's will that he wants to be done, and Jesus says, the only ones who are going to get to heaven are the ones who've done my Father's will. That's the same verse that's in, the words that's in here. So God's will with this verse is that God, Jesus sent, God sent Jesus down so that you pays for your sin problem, and he also provides for you to have freedom from your past from the things that are in this evil world, those same world, the, the things that will trip you up. That's part of what God wants. That's part of his will. Same word. Ephesians 5, 16 says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Man, there's so much bad going on around us. You don't even have to try. You can have a bad day. Man, but make a, the most of every opportunity. Can I say it a, a, in a different way? Man, when you're talking about talking to someone about Christ and how God wants to be there for them and to change their life, make the most of every opportunity. Don't say, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'll talk to them about it tomorrow. Why? Because the days are evil and you don't know what is in store for you or for them. Verse 17 says, so don't be foolish. Instead, here's that word again, understand what the Lord wants. Understand his heart for those around you. See, Jesus came and he did everything he's going to do. Now it's on us to do what we're supposed to do. And that's the talk. That's to share Christ with those around us. Not to be churchy. Not to wear your Jesus loves your hat and you're going to hell if you don't know him. T-shirt. It is just to live your life in such a way and to be there and to, to just to have these relationships with people. To love on them. That love trumps everything. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 16, says, Always be joyful. This is part of what God's will for you. Always be joyful. Man, we should be the happiest people anyone knows. It shouldn't be that, that Christian person. They say they're Christian, but man, they're just always so nasty and so negative, and they're just always looking down at everything. And, and this is, no, no, no. We should be the most joyful. Always be joyful. Look at the next verse. Never stop praying. Well, there you go. We're now understanding how this goes together. If I'm always joyful, I'm never going to stop praying. And if I'm never stopping praying, then it's pretty easy for me to be joyful. Verse 18 says, and give thanks no matter what happens. Isn't that amazing? Be joyful. 
don't stop praying and keep giving thanks no matter what happens. So can I just tell you right there, even in the unwritten part of this text, there's still going to be things that happen that are not going to be joyful for you, but still be joyful. There's going to be things that make you not want to pray. Keep praying. There's going to be things that you don't say, man, I don't even feel like giving thanks to God for nothing. Still give thanks no matter what happens. Here's that word. God wants you. His will is to thank him because you believe in Jesus Christ. See, no matter what happens to us on this earth, whether being joyful comes natural or whether we feel like praying or whether we feel like giving thanks to God, we have this great hope in a future because of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13 verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified our eternal covenant with his blood. In other words, it's a lot of churchy words there, and I understand that. But I put it in there for a reason. I, I didn't just start at the next screen. This is about God who is a God of peace. The same one who raised up Jesus from the dead, who had done these great works here on the earth, and his giving his life. It ratified this. It's never going to stop his love for you. Because he spilt his blood. Verse 21. That he, he Jesus, the one he just talked about, the one who ratified an eternal covenant, the one who, who was the great shepherd, the one who came, that he, Jesus, equips you. See, I'm not talking about you doing this on your own. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come from heaven to do it on my own, to do just what I want to do. But I do what he, my father, wants. Now it's saying, look at this. He's going to be the one who equips you. So you don't have to say, but I don't have what I need. Right here it says, he's the one who's going to equip you. Look at the next part of this. With all that you need. He's not going to say, here's just a pair of pliers and a screwdriver and go build a house. No, I need a whole lot more tools than this. No, 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 you can make that work. And you're sitting there just struggling. No, he's going to give you everything you need. Look at this. For doing his will. See, he wants you to do his will. He wants that to happen. So he's the one who's going to equip you. He's going to be the one who gives you all that you need so that you are able to do it. But can I just tell you right there that if we're not taking the steps to do his will, if we're not taking the steps to follow in his steps, maybe we're not getting all the tools we need. Maybe we just get the first set of tools and the others are just sitting there waiting for us, but we don't use the first one. I never open up my mouth and just even be nice to that person that I work with and I'm around and just say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. No, 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 really, how are you doing? When you go that second question, most people will be like, their eyes will flutter and they'll be like, uh, you're, you really care? It's not just a rhetorical thing. You do what you've got to do and God will empower you to continue with everything you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him Look at this, not so you get all glorified, not so that you're the one that's just the greatest person in the world, 
all the glory to him forever and ever. Amen. See, our goal is to do the will of the Father who is in heaven. That should be our paramount goal of what we're trying to do. That should be what everything that we're putting our context in is focused on. But what do we knew? I, I love this, and I talk about this often, so I put this in here again. In Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, God began a good work in you. Remember, we talked about it. it's not you. You take the step to accept him, and he then begins this work. The, day that, the very first day that you sit down and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm not going to keep doing my life on my own. I'm, he, that very moment accepts you, you write your name in the, the big scroll in heaven and the, the Lamb's book of life is what it's called. And that very moment when all those things are happening, he then begins a good work in you. And I'm sure that he will carry it on. In other words, he's not giving up on you until it's completed. I love how it says it in the Message Bible. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God who started this great work in you, love this, will keep at it. Will keep at it. In other words, he's not going to stop. He's just going to keep at it. God, I, I messed up. I'm going to keep at it. I'm still going to be here for you. But God, I messed up again. And God, I don't even want to come and tell you, but I, 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 I did it again. He's like, I, I'm keeping at it. Not to just barely make it, but look at this. To bring it to a flourishing finish, even to the very day that Jesus appears. He comes back for us. See, we need to carry on. And to do the will of the Father requires us to have this other word, endurance. This past week marked the homegoing of my 96-year-old grandmother. And, and we got to go up there for the service, and I was so honored and privileged to be a part of the service, and I got to speak about her life. But you know the thing that I think of when I'm thinking about someone living 96 years on this earth? My grandmother, my mama, had some endurance. She was just keeping on going. In fact, Pastor Tad, I was talking to him. He goes, you know how you make it to be 96? He goes, you get to 95, and you be really, really careful. And that made me crack up. And I actually used that in my part of officiating my grandmother's um, homegoing service. But that's what we need. We need the endurance. In fact, Hebrews 10, verse 36 says, you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, okay, so you've done the things that we just looked at. You've, you've worked on, and you just keep going. What you need is endurance. Because you don't just stop. Because, okay, I did it for a little bit. No, we need to keep on going. So that you may receive what was promised. Now, here's a couple of Greek words, and I, I try not to do this very often, but that word endurance literally in the Greek means this, a remaining behind and a patient enduring. And look at how it says it's from this other word. This is the Greek word 5281, and it's from 5278. So 5278 says this. It means to stay behind 
to await and to adjure. And, and it means that you're going to keep on going no matter what is going on. In fact, where it says in Hebrews 10, 36, you need to be faithful that you will do what God has promised and then you will receive what he has promised. Let me say that again. You need to be faithful. When you're faithful and you have endurance, it's, it's a different version of this, but faithful endurance is the same word. Then you will have what God promised, what he wants for you, and you will receive what he's promised. You do what he wants, and you get what he promised. Look at that. Then you will do. Then you will receive. If you will, bow your heads with me. As we pray today, I encourage everyone to say this prayer. Generally, it's, it's the question about where you are with God today. And that's certainly my question that I would ask you. And then generally, I'm going to lead you to a place of asking you to say this prayer perhaps for the first time or maybe uh, another time or how many times it is that you've come back and that you're coming back. That doesn't matter. But today, I'm going to encourage everyone to say this prayer because I believe that all of us need to surrender an area of our life. And, and actually, in the part of the prayer, when I get to and I surrender, I encourage you to just give it to God. Maybe you even want to make the motion with your hands like I do. And just like, okay, I'm taking it from here, God, and I'm just giving it up to you. See, because he's never going to come down and beat you over the head and make you give up anything. He's never going to force you to follow him. But I want to encourage you and invite you today to trust him with this step. So simply say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I want to entrust you with my life. I want to know you. Right now, I choose to give up doing it my way. Here it is. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. And I receive your new life. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer. Whether it was the very first time, and today was the jumping off part of them. And Lord, if that's the person, then Lord, we just read in your word how you're just now beginning that work in them. Or maybe we said that prayer many years ago, and you've been working on us, and you've been keeping at it this whole time but we needed to surrender even more of our lives. And even as I was talking about surrendering part of their lives, they felt a little quickening, a little quickening and pattering in their heart that they needed this area to, okay, I'm, I, now's the time I need to give that up. Father, we, we entrust ourselves to you. We, we use our faith to take our next step. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I want to encourage you, if you took that first step, particularly if it's your first time, I encourage you to simply text the word CONNECT to 469-289-1114. And it's simply so that we are able to connect with you and to communicate through our text communication system what your next step 
would be if you wanted to take it. So I encourage you to do that. And we've migrated this past week from, from our previous church management software to a new one. So you'll see that some things have changed and maybe the forms will look a little different. And when you go to give for the first time, it's going to, on the new system, you, you're going to have to enter some stuff in again. But it's really doing a better job for us. So watch to the end for the different ways you can give and connect.